Amen. Well, let's take our Bibles out this morning. Turn, first of all, to the book of Psalms, chapter 27. We have been concentrating on seeking God, and we're believing God for a spiritual breakthrough in our prayer lives. And uh, we must have that. It has to be, we're in a season as a corporate uh, body that I believe um, we must take this very seriously. And, of course, we have heard this over and over and over uh, throughout our Christian lives, not just here. Amen. But if you've been anywhere where the Holy Ghost has been speaking to you, then prayer has been communicated as an essential but I believe all of us, amen, if we don't have an established prayer life, then now is the time to say, from this point forward, I'm leaving that life of prayerlessness behind. Amen. I'm going to press in, and I am going to establish, amen, that intimate relationship with God that is essential. We all know, amen, We, you don't have to be a prophet, you don't have to hear a prophet to know that terrible times are ahead. Great change is on the horizon. Amen. We're going to face things, and certainly our children are going to face things that perhaps no other generation in America has ever faced. It's no time to be dabbling with God. Amen. It's no time to have secondhand knowledge of God. You must know Him for yourself, and you must walk with Him hand in hand, and you must receive instruction directly from His mouth. Now, in the Holy Ghost quest to encourage prayer, he will leave no spiritual stone unturned. And this morning, I want to address a very basic, but I believe an essential aspect of our devotional life. Quickly and humbly responding to the voice of God. Quickly and humbly responding to the voice of God. If we are not sensitive if we're not circumcised of heart, circumcised of ears, if we're not responsive to the person of God, then we are going to grieve the Holy Ghost in our lives. And let me tell you here this morning, if you grieve the Spirit of God in your life, there's no way you're going to pray. Amen. And pray effectually. You must have divine grace to pray. The Bible says we don't know what we ought to pray. Amen. And we're going to address that, Lord willing, in a future message. Amen. That God has given me. We need the Spirit of God to be able to pray effectually. But we cannot have the Spirit of God if we are grieving Him by being insensitive and not submitting to the voice. Amen. Of God at all times. Reading here first from the book of Psalms, chapter 27 and verse 8. When thou saidest, Seek ye my face, my heart said unto thee, Thy face, Lord, will I seek. When thou saidest, Seek ye my face, my heart said unto thee, Thy face, Lord, will I seek. Now I want you to turn over to the New Testament. In the epistle of 1 John chapter 1. 1 John chapter 1. 
and verse 9. And this verse deals specifically with repentance. But there is a principle here that I want to bring out a little bit later. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Father, we're thankful here this morning for Your Word, for we know that Your Word is truth. We ask, Father, that You would sanctify us through the truth, Father. I pray for the Spirit of God. I pray for the anointing of the Holy Ghost that makes preaching and teaching effectual, that Your Word would have free course to be spoken and to be heard here this morning, and that it might be mixed with faith, that it would be profitable unto us, Father. We ask it in the name of Jesus. Speak to us here today in Jesus' name. Again, this is a very fundamental, a very basic yet indispensable spiritual attitude, amen, that we must cultivate, amen. It's something that we must be jealous for, a heart that quickly agrees with God. Now, you might say, what does that have to do with prayer? Well, just as exactly as I brought out earlier, if we are grieving the Spirit of God, as God is dealing, if you're a Christian, amen, then the Holy Ghost is talking to you, and the Holy Ghost is teaching you, and the Holy Ghost is guiding you, and the Holy Ghost is putting His hand directly into your life. And if you're not responsive, amen, to the Spirit of God, amen, as we read the Word of God, amen, we read things there that grant us light. And if we're not submitting to that light, being very careful to uh, uh, respond properly before God, then we grieve His Spirit. And if we grieve His Spirit, then we wonder why we don't have grace to pray. Amen. Because we have grieved the very vehicle and means whereby God can help us and help our infirmities as we seek Him, His Spirit. Amen. I see three absolutes here in our text, Psalms 27 and 8, that we're going to consider here this morning. Very basic things. First of all, we must rightly discern the voice of God. Amen. We don't need to take that for granted. We need to address that principle. We must know what the voice of God is. We read there, the psalmist said, when thou saidest. Amen. Now, we know that life and truth are intrinsically linked. We cannot have life if we deny the Word of God. Is that right? Jesus said, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. And Jesus is the Word of God. We know that we live by what? Every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. Thus, when we know that God indeed says, there can be no questions. There is no other options. It's not a multiple choice. Amen. We are irrefutably obligated to believe what He says. And if we believe what he says, then therefore we must act accordingly. Can I get an amen on that? I know you believe that. You're a Christian. And if God says it, then we must submit to it. Yet we've seen many who were led into unspeakable shame and error by following voices that they claimed to be God. Isn't that right? 
You know, a lot of people that's been destroyed over the years. They came up with a lot of wacky, strange ideas that did not line up with the Word of God, and yet they said it was God. The Bible says in Proverbs 14 and 15, The simple believeth every word, but the prudent man looketh well to his going. Hence, discernment is an absolute necessity, as the Bible admonishes us in 1 Thessalonians 5 and 21. We are to do what? Prove all things. And then we are to hold fast to that which is good. Amen? You see that judge not mentality has left basically the professing church impudent, spiritually impudent in the face of unparalleled deception in this hour. That's, you know, the mindset of those that are lukewarm and those that are in religious hypocrisy. Judge not. Amen? But the Bible says beloved, believe not every spirit, but try the spirits, whether they're of God. Amen. We're to prove. That means what? We're to judge. We're to try. That means what? We're to put it on trial. We're to judge it. What are we to judge? All things. Every spirit. The mentality not only are we to judge, we're to judge everything. Not only are we to judge, we are to judge every spirit, every voice, every thought, every impression. Amen. We are to bring it subject, amen, to the word of God. Amen. Why? Because many false prophets are gone out into the world. Amen. You see, contrary to popular opinion, we are to bring everything subject, scrutinized, put it on trial before the court of the law of the Lord. But the question remains, by what standard are we then to prove and to try? Amen. Is every man to do what's right in his own eyes? Absolutely not. We must have a standard. We must have an ultimate authority. And the answer to that, as we know, is what? The Word of God is our ultimate authority. It is the only objective standard whereby we can measure and determine divine truth. Amen. It is the scriptures and the scriptures that's our touchstone of reality it is our ultimate authority now when we say God's word is our only objective standard we mean in contrast to something subjective or something influenced by our own personal perspectives feelings and experience in other words something that is objective is outside our realm of consciousness amen and you talk about the leading of the Holy Ghost someone you know may say well what about the spirit it's leading. Is the Spirit's leading just as authoritative as the Word of God? Absolutely. But we know that the Spirit will not lead, amen, except for in accordance with the Word of God. And God deals directly with our hearts, which makes, amen, the dealing of the Holy Ghost not specifically or directly the voice of God via the Spirit, amen, but that experience of Him dealing with us, it is subjective because it's within the realm of our experience. So you see, that's why we say the Bible, the Scriptures, is our only objective, amen. The Scriptures are of divine origin. 
divine character, and divine authority. Hence, they bear the marks of divinity and are outside of our experience. They clearly authenticate themselves as God-breathed, and they are self-evident, and they are self-attesting. Hence, we are to prove and try every thought, every impression, yea, every voice that presents itself as God by the standard of His Word. As it says in Isaiah 8 and 20, to the law and to the testimony. If they, who are they? It could be from without. It could be from within. It could be through a human vessel. It could be demonic. It could be in your own mind, your own thoughts. It could rise up out of your own heart. Amen. That's all included in this term, they. If they speak not according to this word, it is because there is no light in them. That is the ultimate standard that we must press. That's the test that every voice must pass. As Jesus said in John 3 and 34, For he whom God has sent speaketh the words of God. Amen. It is God's word, amen, that verifies and confirms that God is speaking to us. Amen. Now, this absolute, and it is an absolute, is commonly referred to as the doctrine of sola scriptura, which is simply a Latin phrase, amen, for the scriptures alone. That's what it means. Does the Bible testify of this doctrine? It certainly does. In 2 Timothy three sixteen through 17, all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. Amen. Sola Scriptura. The scriptures alone, that is the standard whereby we judge all things. Let me read to you something that I wrote in a little tract that I had wrote about this doctrine, Sola Scriptura. The doctrine of Sola Scriptura simply stated is that the scriptures and the scriptures alone are sufficient to function as a regular fide or Latin, that's a Latin term, for the rule of faith for the church. All that one must believe to be a Christian is found in Scripture and in no other source. That which is not found in Scripture is not binding upon the Christian conscience. That which is, is binding indeed. To be more specific, the Scriptures are not in need of any supplement. Their authority comes from their nature as God-breathed revelation. Their authority is not dependent upon any man, any church, or any council. The scriptures are self-consistent, self-interpreting, self-authenticating. The Christian church looks at the scriptures as the only and sufficient rule of faith, and the church is always subject to the word of God and is constantly reformed thereby. Now, that might seem like a lot of high church uh, complexity to you, but it addresses basically one of the most fundamental planks in our Christianity. And I cannot stress how important this principle is to our spiritual stability. Amen. Everything must be judged by the Word of God. There must be a zeal. There must be a dogmatism, an unyielding dogmatism. What saith the Word of God? I am bound by the word of God. 
You know, years ago I heard a preacher had accused someone of being bound by the Bible. I thought, oh, well, that's the highest compliment someone could pay to me. Amen. That's why I made my email address Bible bound. Amen. After that. Amen. I thank God I am, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a bond servant of Jesus Christ who is the Word of God. Indeed, I am bound, amen, by the Bible. And if I'm not bound by the Bible, then I'm headed for hell, amen. We must be submitted to the Scriptures. You know, but many may believe this in theory. You can go in churches everywhere, amen, and ask them if they believe the Scriptures have ultimate authority in the Christian life, amen, and they will answer in the affirmative. But those who make it to heaven... This has been engraved on their souls. Amen. There's no way you're going to make it unless this principle is established. Now, I know not long ago, Brother Bob said, you know, when we just talk about principles, hey, man, you can't live just by principles. And I understand what he was trying to say. But in reality, amen, uh, you know, you can't preach the gospel. The gospel is principle. Amen. You can't communicate truth. Amen. In fact, to say you can't live by principles is a principle. Amen. And I understand it. This is what the better way to say it. You can't just live with an intellectual understanding of the truth. But you better take the truths of the principles of the Word of God. And you better engrave those or allow the Spirit of God to engrave those on your soul. That's what faith will do. Amen. In regards to Christian growth, maturation and spiritual endurance there is perhaps nothing more important amen than to have this established in your soul what does the bible say with every decision every direction that i take every voice that's presented to me i'm going to bring it amen to the word of god and i am going to live according to god's principle it doesn't matter what it looks like it doesn't matter what it feels like amen The only thing that matters is what does God say about it? That's faith, and that's the way we must live. Once we by faith solidify the Word of God as our ultimate authority, we must and will judge every voice by its divine protocol. Now, we've seen people, again, we could probably all stand up and testify how people say things that God, the Holy Ghost, told me to marry that person. Well, is that person, they're not even born again. Oh, I know, but God is going to help me lead them to Jesus. No, no. The Bible says you're not to be unevenly yoked with unbelievers. Amen. God told me to go in that church. That church is apostate. Amen. They claim to love Jesus and live in all manner of sin. I know, but God is sending me. He told me to go in there and help them. Amen. No, no, he didn't tell you that because the Bible said you're not even to eat with such a one, much less submit to their church a little leaven leaven is the whole lump but this is where people are at they've not been taught amen the word of god must be paramount you judge every voice by his word and this is how we know then we are hearing god's voice when we hear or when what we hear aligns itself 
with his word. It doesn't matter if it's from within or from without. Doesn't matter whether it comes from your heart or the mouth of a preacher, even me. Amen. Everything must come under the word of God. Whether it's impressions in your spirit or preaching from a pulpit, everything must be measured and confirmed by the scriptures. And if it's not explicitly addressed in the scriptures, then I am to again apply secondary principles from the word of God. Amen. To that situation and then allow the peace of God to rule in my heart. Can you give me an example, Brother Brim? Well, yeah, you know, when God told me to plant a church in Woodville, Mississippi, amen, the Bible doesn't say, Brother Britt, go to Woodville and plant a church. Now, how, how am I to find out whether that's God or not? Well, there are many principles that could be applied, and many of the principles that I did apply. First of all, I went to my authority. Amen. There's safety and a multitude of counselors. And when I walked through my pastor's door, he said, I already know why you're here. God told you to plant a church in Woodville, Mississippi. Amen. That's confirmation. Amen. Praise God. There were other uh, individuals in my life at that time, godly men that I looked to. Amen. And there was agreement. This was what I was to do. I spent a long amount of time praying, putting this before God. Amen. Submitting it to God and allowing it. So then even when I stepped out uh, in a degree, I'm still allowing the Spirit of God to shut doors that no man can open and open doors that no man can shut. But whatever it is, I am to Submit, amen, that voice to the word of God so that I can determine is it God or is it not? Because if I'm open to every voice, amen, the Bible says I will be simple or stupid and I will be destroyed because the enemy comes as an angel of light. Secondly, not only must we discern the voice, but we must understand the application. Seek. Ye my face. When thou saidest, what did he say? Seek ye my face. Indeed, we must know it is actually God who is speaking to us. But also, we must clearly comprehend what exactly is he saying to me. What is the application to me? And what is that application right now? Ephesians 5 and 17 says, Wherefore, be ye not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. Now, the will of God in general is expressed to us through the Word of God. But then, amen, for us to truly uh, uh, fulfill what God has told us, there must be a comprehension of the personal application. That word understanding means to put it together to put it together god gives us a word he deals it may be something very simplistic it may deal only with a small sphere of our life it may be the vision amen uh, the direction that god is sending you something you know very profound and very uh, inclusive but whatever it may be we must understand the application so we can put it all together in the case of the psalm 
promise, God spoke and he was able to put it together, if you will, and comprehended what God demanded. Of course, the revealed truth for him was seek my face. And that's very applicable for us right now because God is definitely telling us to seek his face, though I'm not really preaching on that directly. Amen. But it could be any divine truth and any divine command. Because if we don't submit to God, if we don't have a clear conscience before God, Amen. Then we grieve his spirit and we'll not be able to stand without him. Amen. Amen. Remember many times throughout the gospels, Jesus said things like this. Take heed, therefore, how you hear. John 8 and 43. Why do you not understand my speech? Even because you cannot hear my word. Now, when the Bible speaks about hearing, in most cases, it's not speaking about the function of the ears, but the condition of the heart. Amen. You're here in this church. The truth has been preached to you. Some of you have been here multiple years. Amen. Going on 15 years, some of you have been here, and you've heard the truth over and over and over. Amen. But did you really Hear the truth. Amen. Yes, with the natural, with the bodily function, amen, the facility of hearing, amen, you heard a voice communicate to you biblical facts. But did with your heart, did you hear what God is saying to you? If you're not hearing, amen, with the spirit, amen, then you're not really hearing. But you will still be held accountable for the truth you've been exposed to. That's why Jesus, take heed how you hear, which tells us that we have a responsibility to hear properly and that we can hear. Amen. That it's rooted in our will. If we will choose to prepare the heart and the inward man, then God, amen, can deal with us and we can receive the truth that makes free. Spiritual, spiritual light generally flows to those who have a heart that's willing to be conformed to the light beforehand. I want you to hear that. Spiritual light generally flows freely to those, amen, who cultivate a heart willing to be conformed to that light beforehand. Amen? Amen. I can confirm this by the Scriptures where it says in Deuteronomy 4 and 5 and 6, Behold, I have taught you statutes, and judgments, even as the Lord my God commanded me, that ye should do so in the land, whether ye go to possess it. Keep therefore and do them, for this is your wisdom and understanding. Amen. If you're not obedient to the light that you have and the light that you receive, then light will be cut off from you. Amen. A good understanding have all they that do what? Keep his commandments or do his commandments. John 7 and 17. If any man will do his will, he shall know the doctrine, whether it be of God, 
or whether I speak of myself. You see, first of all, there has to be a hungry heart. There has to be a willing and yielded heart. There has to be a heart regardless of what you tell me, God. It kind of goes like the test that uh, Brother Charlie used to give to the children in children's church when he would ask them, do you believe? Amen. First Chronicles chapter 3 and verse 6. And people will begin to look in their Bible to see what it says before, amen, they answered yea or nay. You see, the real issue is, it doesn't matter what it says. If it's in the Bible, you must believe it. And it doesn't matter what God tells you in the future. If it's God, then you are obligated to obey. And that's the attitude of heart. If you don't cultivate, if you don't keep that attitude of heart, listen to me, friend, you could sit under Jesus and go to hell! You could sit right under the ministry of Christ. Amen. You could shout amen. You can shake your head and never hear not one single syllable of truth. You've got to maintain a heart of obedience. Just because we possess accurate spiritual information doesn't necessarily mean we are hearing or rightly processing what God is saying. We know it. We've seen it before. People sit under sound preaching all of their lives and never been truly born of God. They are hearing, but they're not hearing. They're hearing, but they're not hearing. You know, at Brother Victor's camp meeting, I met a man there 60 years in Pentecost. 60 years in Pentecost since he's been a little boy. Never been filled with the Holy Ghost. Never been filled with the Holy Ghost. Amen. He could probably teach other people about the baptism of the Holy Ghost, but never been filled. You say, hey, you know, during that camp meeting, people were filled with the Spirit. He never asked, or at least he never asked that I know of. Maybe he did. But either way, listen to me, something, there's something wrong. (laughs) There's something not connecting. Amen. He's not putting it all together. Do you understand? How can you sit under the hearing and particularly an older man? You know, the old Pentecostal preachers preached, amen. You must be filled with the Spirit. It was emphasized. How can you sit under that? And not be filled. Amen. I I don't know the man. He seemed like a good brother. I'm just simply saying. Amen. Something is wrong. Amen. But so many of us like him. We've sat under the the preaching of the word of God. Amen. And God has painted the picture. He's given us the vision. We've seen it with our own eyes. We get articulated. But it's not being produced in our life. Why is that? Because we're not really hearing We've got information, but we need revelation. An example of this can be found when God told the prophet Isaiah, Go and tell this people, Hear ye indeed, but understand not. And see ye indeed, but perceive not. Oh, what a terrible and tragic state of heart to be in. You see, the key is to maintain a heart willing to do whatever God says. Otherwise, we succumb to self-deception. Hey, but it's a simple principle. Amen. Hey, be, be ye doers of the word of God and not hearers 
only, amen, deceiving your own selves. When we begin to uh, 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 haphazardly and lightly esteem the privilege of hearing divine truth, when we're not very careful to respond immediately to what God says, amen, not merely with the mind, but with the heart, then we begin to cultivate, amen, an atmosphere of self-deception. This condition, though, known as faith, amen, this is what faith does. It cultivates a heart of obedience. Must be mixed with our hearing. Amen. That that our hearing will be profitable unto us. This is the, all we're talking about is really a heart filled with faith. Such men, men that have faith in their heart, they love reproof. That's why they love reproof. That's why they're humble. Amen. And receive correction because they are predisposed to divine restraint strength and reformation they're expecting to be taught they're expecting to be confronted it's part of their heart attitude amen if i've already set my heart amen to be taught by the spirit of god then i'm not going to be surprised amen when someone comes to correct me oh but if you hate correction and you see this is what people you can control your demeanor to some degree in front of others. But in that home, in that marriage, in the closest of relationships, amen, it's exposed. If you hate correction, friend, listen to me, the reason you hate it is because of unbelief. You see, the nature of that regenerate heart is submissive to the Word of God. It is submissive. Amen. If you chafe under correction, then it is an absolute. You are harboring unbelief. You know, at the Illusions Club on Friday night, two young men, they couldn't have been older than 25, probably closer to 20. The filth, the blasphemy, such utter rejection and opposition to the Word of God. I looked at those young men and thought, people, Without a soul. People without a soul. This is what we have. A generation being raised full of bloodshed and murder and hatred and blasphemy. But I dare say, if you could have somehow walked over to those two young men on Friday night and turned the light switch of divine revelation on, and they could have just seen the great day of judgment, I believe instantly it would have changed their behavior. Amen. Do you hear me? Why don't they see? Why don't they see? Because unbelief has blinded them. That's the issue. Amen. God has revealed himself to man. Amen. And God has given to every man, as we know, at least a limited revelation of who he is through nature and testimony. But unbelief turns the lights off. And it not only turns the lights off for them, it turns the lights off for us too. The reason we respond the way we do to the Word of God is linked intrinsically to what we see in the Spirit. The reason that you don't appreciate, amen, if you don't, uh, the things, uh, the the cross and the narrow way and self-denial and reproof and correction is simply because your unbelief has shut off the revelation of the glory of the kingdom of God. That's what the problem is.
Any person here, if you could just turn the lights on in their spirit to see Christ as he is, would receive a new heart instantly by that revelation. That's why you must see God. That's why you must see God. It's not enough for me to tell you about Jesus. It's not enough for you to tell your children or your wife about Jesus. Amen. It's not enough for you to tell your relative. Amen. Listen to me. That's needful. There needs to be a testimony that compels and constrains. Amen. There needs to be living epistles. Amen. That will God can use to convict and draw. But ultimately, every man must see God for himself. And if he doesn't see him with the eye of the Spirit, then he will perish. Amen. There is no other way. See, as Jesus warned in the latter portion of Luke 8 and 18, where we read earlier, Take heed how you hear, for whosoever hath to him shall be given, and whosoever hath not from him shall be taken, even that which he seemeth to have. If you don't cultivate a heart of faith, a heart that's willing, whatever you say, according to thy word, your servant hears. If you don't cultivate that type of heart, then you're going to be losing instead of gaining. Those who have little or no hunger or thirst for righteousness do grieve the Spirit of God. And the Spirit of God is the great interpreter and the great teacher of divine truth. Amen. Of course, truth comes through many venues. We read it out of the Scriptures. We hear it preached from the pulpit. We study and meditate on the Word of God, uh, so forth and so on. But as Mr. Tozer said, for a man to understand revealed truth, requires an act of God equal to the original act which inspired the text. Now you think about that. The same miraculous need those men had to be inspired to write the Scriptures. We have the same miraculous need to understand. If you grieve the Spirit of God, you may be able to quote the Bible from Genesis to Revelation, but you don't understand what you're saying. You must have the Holy Ghost. Hence, if we fail to truly comprehend, put it all together and connect the dots, so to speak, we will be asleep in the light. We'll proclaim that we know and we know nothing. And finally here this morning, we must quickly make covenant and act. We must quickly make covenant and act. And this is really, listen to me, this is really where I want to press some truth upon your heart because God really dealt with me about this. Amen. You see, the psalmist said, my heart said unto thee, not merely his mouth, amen, but his heart said unto thee, your heart must say unto God, your heart must be toward God. Amen. Your heart must be responsive and sensitive to the light. When the light comes and whatever it may be, amen, the Spirit of God unveils that truth that you need at any given moment in your existence. Amen. There needs to be a smile on your face. There needs to be joy in the heart. There needs to be, yes, Lord, I receive it. I may not understand it. It may look like death, but I know it's your voice. Amen. I've tested I've proven, I've tried it, it's your word. And I know it comes from you. And every good and perfect gift comes from above. 
and I receive it with joy. You see, confirmed divine light demands immediate heart's mission. My heart said unto thee, Thy face, Lord, will I seek. When thou saidest, Seek my face, then my heart said, Oh, thy face, Lord, will I seek. And so it must be with us. We must cultivate a heart quick to believe, repent, amend, and conform. The psalmist simply declared by faith his heart was in a constant posture of obedience. He was quick from the heart to make covenant. He was quick to agree with the Word of God. He was quick to be conformed to the heart. His heart aligned and in union with God's heart. What was God's heart? Seek my face. My heart says... By faith will I seek. Amen. Your will becomes my will. Your heart becomes my heart. What you hate, I hate. What you love, I love. Your perception becomes my perception. Your vision becomes my vision. I become immersed in the person of Christ by hearing the word of God and believing. We cannot, when light comes, we cannot give God a definite maybe. No, no. We either have to give him a definite yes or a definite no. And if we procrastinate, by default, we are rejecting light. If we procrastinate and put it off, by default, we are rejecting light. There is no definite maybe. Amen. Or rather, there is not a virtuous definite maybe. That's being hot between two opinions. That's being double-minded. Amen. That is wavering. Amen. And it is a byproduct of unbelief in the heart. Remember what Jesus taught us in Matthew 5 and 25. He said, agree with thine adversary quickly while thou art in the way with him. Now, if Jesus, amen, if he teaches us to resolve conflict with one another speedily, because this is really what he's addressing here, amen? If he, but if he's teaching you how important, and if you read in the context, he's talking about if there's offense, if a brother's offended, you know, before you go to the altar, before you try to worship me, before you try to serve me, you need to get that right. You're going to hinder the moving of God. Spirit, I don't want to see you until you get that straight. This is right after that. So God is saying, amen. If you, I'm, if God is going to demand that you and I quickly resolve, amen, any disagreements that we may have, how much more when in the way God has a controversy with us? Amen. Speedily. You better get that right while the Holy Ghost is dealing with you in the way. While the Spirit of God puts His hand out and says, this right here you need to begin to do. This right here you need to stop doing. Whatever it may be. Amen. We even see this truth in regards to repentance. And this is First uh, uh, John 1 and 9. This is what I want to bring out here in this verse. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. When any man and whether it be a sinner or if, not when, if a Christian uh, were to fall into sin, then the Spirit of God is going to reprove and convict them for that sin. Amen? And the whole aim of God's dealing is to bring the person to what? Repentance. 
if we confess our sins. The word confess comes from a, a compound Greek word comprised of two words, two Greek words. One homo, and that sounds strange, but I hope I'm pronouncing that right. But it, it means a different thing in Greek. Hallelujah. Well, yeah, it does. Meaning, help me, Jesus. Meaning together. Meaning together. And then logo, meaning the divine expression. Coming together, amen, amen, with the divine expression. It literally means to assent, to acknowledge, to agree with, or to make covenant via the Word of God. So when we think about confession, we think about speaking with our mouth. Well, I believe if you really do confess according to this principle, then it will come out of your mouth because out of the abundance of your heart, a heart that's in agreement with God's Word, then you will speak. Amen. But it's a deeper principle than just saying or assenting to the truth with your intellect. It must be the heart. You see, the Spirit of God speaks reproving us, correcting us, teaching us, even encouraging us, whatever it may be, we must agree and make covenant to reap the benefits of this intervention. If we don't confess, He's not going to cleanse. That's that's a principle in repentance. Amen. If we don't agree, if we don't make covenant with our heart, with our heart, then we forfeit the benefit, amen, of repentance. And likewise... Whenever God is dealing with us about anything, and we don't agree with the heart. We don't really hear what the Spirit of God is saying. We don't quickly make covenant. Then we are going to grieve the Spirit of God. There are other practical applications that we should consider. For example, when God deals directly with our heart, amen, through the Word, by His Spirit, then we must, yes, of course, when you're reading the Scripture. You need to make sure that, uh, you know, you're right, seeing it rightly or what have you. But when we know that it's the voice of God, the voices that speak to us, we're looking in the Word of God, then whatever it is, we must act now. Corporately speaking, when we hear the preaching of the Word of God corporately. Now, God puts you here for a reason. Amen. The fivefold ministry is a venue of perfection. It is a venue of grace that God has specifically consecrated and set aside. Amen. For your edification and your build up. And so, uh, you know, God puts you here to be taught. He puts you here. Amen. To be discipled. You are to judge every single word that comes across this pulpit by the word of God. If it's not the Scriptures, you're not obligated to submit to it. But if it is the Scriptures, you are to see it as the voice of God. Amen. And you are to quickly agree. Quickly. Amen. Make covenant with God. Amen. You see, if you're finally consistent with the Word of God, then you must act now. That's why there are altars in the church. Not because this place here is different than any. The altar that needs to be made is in your heart. But they do represent something. They represent that when you hear what God is saying to you, that you make covenant now. You make hard decisions. You covenant with God to do or not do what He's telling you to do or not do. Don't you put it off for one minute. 
but you mean business with God. You know, I was convicted when we went to the camp meeting this um, this year, and I've been convicted about this before, but uh, this is one of the reasons that I wanted to preach on this. You know, I've been in Pentecost ever since I've been born again. And there's a lot of error in Pentecostalism. Pentecost is scriptural. But there's a lot of Pentecostal tradition. They don't think it's tradition. They think it's Pentecost. But it's not Pentecost. It's Pentecostalism. And I've seen a lot of things in Pentecostalism. And when I started this church, I've been around, amen, altar calls where people just constant, same people every week, weeping, crying, just squalling, amen, get them down there, people praying for over hours and hours, amen, same people next week, they don't even know whether they saved or not. Just walk out the door, just up, down, backwards, for everything geared to the emotions, to the soulish realm. Now, I'm not against emotion. I'm preaching with emotion here this morning. I believe an emotionalist Christianity is unscriptural. I don't believe you can believe in God and not be emotional about it. Amen. I believe in praying. I believe in uh, shouting and running and these expressions of joy as we uh, worship God. I believe in all of that. But I've also seen, amen, that being majored upon, amen, in other words, reducing Pentecost to what happens in these services for a collective two, three, four hours a week. Amen. But living below what Pentecost is out there. Pentecost is not defined what happens so much in here but what happens out there I don't care how fast you run although I run amen I don't care you dance and the Holy Ghost Dan, go ahead I'm not against that at all really I'm for it but don't, don't tell me I got the Holy Ghost because I prophesy now let me, let me see you live out there I'll tell you whether you got Pentecost or not. But see, modern Pentecost has reduced it all down. Oh, we shall. We felt something. So God came. Amen. You know, really, you can't even find that in the Bible. I, I remember when I had to go to the Scriptures. When I, when I, when I established this church, I went to the Bible. And I said, well, I've seen some things. Amen. I've been around Pentecost all of my life. Amen. All of my Christian life. And I believe in a lot. But really, I want to be governed by the Scriptures. A lot of disorder in Pentecost, where the flesh is able to manifest and show itself. Well, you know, I said, well, we're going to have order. You know, laying on of hands. What does the Bible say about that? What did Jesus lay hands on for? You see him laying hands on anything else for anything else? What about the apostles? What they lay hands on? What they, what they, when they would lay hands on, for what? Healing, baptism of the Holy Ghost, ordination. Nothing else. Now that's the Bible. Amen. Now, if someone comes to me and says, "Brother, would you lay hands on me?" We're going to pray for. Uh, I, I need wisdom. Is it wrong to do that? No, but it's not necessary. You go to a lot of Pentecostal churches, they get people on the altars, crowded around by all kinds of people. You don't know who they are, laying hands on everybody. The Bible says lay hands suddenly on no man. 
I'm not sure I want all them people touching my children. I, stand up and testify. I'm in the worst kind of sin I've ever been in my life. What you doing laying hands on my children then? I'm not going to get the Holy Ghost with you laying your hands on me. So what do we do? Why don't you see that here? Because we set some things in order. Only leadership lay hands. And only for those things. Now, if you come and ask, I pray for people. Don't misunderstand. I'm not trying to quench. Uh, Brother Britt says, don't lay hands on people for anything. But if someone asks me to pray for them, I may lay hands on you for anything. It's not wrong to do that, it's, but it's not necessary. That's why what I'm saying is, when someone's in the altar, hey man, you don't need to get around them and lay your hands on them. They don't need that. It's not necessary. They don't need you. They need Christ. Sometimes good to pray with someone. But to be honest, I never want anybody shaking my head, throwing me. I'm trying to get through to God. I don't need all kind of people trying to, you know, move, lay out, rub me. I don't need a back massage. I need Jesus. Amen. And I've been around this all my life. Let me tell you something. Someone goes on with Jesus, they don't need any. They, all they need is the Word of God. Amen. So if you set some things in order, you know what you're going to do? You're going to cut the flesh off. And it won't happen. Because that's what it is. Most of it. A lot of it. Doesn't mean God doesn't move a lot of times. I've been in churches where... But this is the thing I got convicted about. Pentecostals have always emphasized the altar call. And because... I believe because of... You know, some of our experiences in Pentecost, and there's some of the wackiest, weirdest, strangest, most cock-a-doodle-doo people you'll ever meet that speak in tongues. You'll never meet more strange, unscriptural, disorderly people as in Pentecost. Such a terrible, awful testimony. But we don't need to throw the baby out with the bathwater. Amen? There's something to tearing in the altar. And we don't do that enough. Amen. Now this is what I'm trying to tell you. We're going to have order here. Amen. You you want to you need prayer for something? Amen. Come to the elder. Ask them to pray they will. Amen. You 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 want to pray for your family? By all means, lay hands. You want to lay hands on your children? By all means, they're your children. You're under their they're under your authority. You can do it. But don't you lay hands, and I know nobody's doing that here anyway, but I'm just saying this is something already been communicated time and time again. You 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 know, when I when I come bring my family up here, I don't want to uh, and, and if you come bring your family up here, you don't need to be fearful of disorder. You see, disorder is when if I bring my family, I don't know who's even going to lay hands on me. Right? You care who prays for you? You, will, let me put it, you care who lays hands on you? Yeah, Leon believes that. Who else believes it? Amen. You don't want just anybody laying hands on you. You want to know that you can come here and without 25 people t- t- trying to tackle you, amen, get you down here and shake you around. Amen? You want somebody out there to pray for you? Trust? Tell them. Somebody ask you to pray for them and you're just out there? Fine. You can do that. You're, 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 you're a person. You can ask. But other than that, it's going to be the leadership of the church. Praise God. But one thing I do want to communicate, and I believe this has been my fault, we have been slow, or rather, too quick 
in the altar. Amen. Slow to remain. Quick to get up. We need to learn to tarry and wait. You know, I, I don't believe that we would have prayed through um, with Pete, Brother Pete, and Brother Bruce. I don't think we'd have prayed through the Holy Ghost too long. We're not accustomed to it, and it's not right. We need to be. Now, listen, that doesn't mean every sermon we preach that you've got to come down here. And don't come down here just to do it. I'm telling you, talk to God about what He is dealing with you about. You know, someone told me before the camp meeting, they said, I'm not sure, you know, we come, every time I go to camp meeting, I get excited, get dealt with, and I come in the altar, and I make commitments to God, and what have you, and, you know, then, you know, a couple of weeks after camp meeting, I find myself drifting, and kind of wallowing around in mediocrity, and I, I don't want to do that, so, you know, they were uh, having kind of a standoffish spirit, not going to press into the things of God, I said, that's not the right response, amen, it doesn't have anything to do with you making commitments, you need to respond, in fact, you need to fear not. You need to fear responding not. If you don't respond rightly, that's what you need to fear. Because you want you want to you want to produce a religious spirit of deception and hypocrisy. Just hear the word of God and don't respond to it. Just keep doing that, and you won't know. You'll be so confused, you won't know what up and down is. Amen. You won't know the difference between devil, the devil, and Jesus. Amen. You need to respond to the truth, and you need to respond immediately. The, the, the issue, amen, the real problem, amen, with individuals that get, and you see, thank God for the camp meeting. The camp meeting is scriptural. It's just assembling together, right? There's nothing wrong with that. It's good. It's ordained of God. And what does it do when you begin to have church every evening? Prayer every morning, there's expectancy, there's discipline. If you will practice what you do during camp meeting every day, you will find that you will have the grace that you had in camp meeting. Go ahead, just try. Go to prayer every day, have an expectancy, be excited. Amen. Uh, you know, stir yourself to believe whatever God says. Amen. Be responsive. Amen. In the services. Have, have prayer meeting in the morning, then go about 10 o'clock. Spend another hour and a half because there was a 10 o'clock service at the camp meeting. Spend another hour and a half meditating, reading God's word and praying. Then in the evening, go out and have prayer meeting again for about three hours and see whether, amen, you don't get grace. It's not a mystery. Amen. You're pressing in. And when you press in, you're going to receive. When you don't, you're not. Remember, it was wicked Pharaoh who often displayed surface remorse at the reproof of God. Hey, he's one of the kind of guys that came in the altar car and did a lot of weeping. <laughs> Pharaoh! Pharaoh! Boy, they said, when do you want us to intercede? When do you want God to move for you? Tomorrow. Tomorrow. Consecrate. Today is the day of salvation. Today is the day of deliverance. You've heard me say nobody ever gets saved tomorrow. Never has anybody ever been born again tomorrow. Nobody's ever been delivered tomorrow. 
It's always been today. When God speaks right then, if they don't act then, the door is going to shut. Amen. God may again speak tomorrow, but when he speaks tomorrow, it'll be today again. Amen. But one day will be the last day that God speaks. And the last day that God speaks and you don't get delivered, amen, then deliverance is not going to come. Let's stand. May we have a heart quick. Cultivate a heart quick to respond. Let's come in these altars here this morning. Pray that God would help us.
saidest, seek my face. My heart said, thy face I will seek. Amen. That we may have such a heart. Always responsive, sensitive to the Holy Ghost. Amen. You know, I felt like the Holy Ghost told me when I was preparing this that there's some here that God deals with you. You fall into this practice hearing God's voice, God dealing with you, but not quick to respond, quick to agree, quick to make covenant, quick to say and talk. Amen to God. Now, you know, coming to the altar, you see people just wonder if they're even talking to God. I mean, God, I know what you're saying to me. I know this is displeasing to you. I know that you want me to begin to do this. It, it may not be necessarily sin. Do you understand? But God, I hear what you're saying. And I, and I commit to you. I, I surrender my will to you. I'm going to choose to do what you're telling me to do. I'm going to refrain what you're telling me to refrain from. And to make covenant with God right then. Because if you don't, you grieve the Spirit of God. And you begin to practice that type of, you know, really insensitivity. Then no wonder you don't. No wonder there's a, well, where's grace in my life? Well, you're grieving the Holy Ghost. You've got to be responsive to God's voice. Imagine if you had a child that you told him, I want you to meet me here at 12 noon, son, at the back of the property, and we're going to uh, lift up a heavy piece of equipment and load it onto a trailer. And so, you know, uh, at 12 noon you're there, and he's in nowhere to be found. And he shows, oh, I forgot that. So you discipline him and what have you. And then the next day, same thing. Meet me at noon. And the next day he comes and uh, you know, it slipped my mind. And you discipline him again. And then the next day he doesn't show up. And he, well, what's wrong? Well, why aren't you? Well, this, this piece of equipment, daddy, there's no way that I can lift it up. I know, son, but I'm going to lift it up for you. I'm going to provide. You'll just, but you need to be here at noon. Okay, fine. Next day he's not there. And after a week, finally, he, uh, you know, every day he's not responsive and he comes. What's wrong? Well, you, you, did you forget today? No, I didn't forget. But I've fallen so many times I can't do this. And I don't want to grieve you anymore. Is that going to be something that's pleasing to you? You see, some of you have done that because you failed in times past. And you draw back and say, well, I made commitments before I didn't keep them. Somehow God is going to be pleased if I just stand back. He's not pleased with that. It, it, he, just like you would with your child, that would be what? Frustrating. He's going to provide you with the grace to do it. All you have to do is agree with Him and make covenant. But do it quickly. Do it quickly. Amen? Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Give Jesus a hand clap of praise for the truth. Amen. Brother Joel, you dismiss us with prayer, brother. Amen. God bless you. We love you. Six o'clock tonight. Lord willing, meet back here for prayer. Brother Mike Armstrong be with us, I think.
Amen, Lord willing. So we will see you this evening. God bless you. You're dismissed.